Father, we love you and we thank you for the privilege that we have to come to your house this morning, Lord, and to worship you freely. And as you speak to us this morning, God, we pray that you would allow us to put down all the things in our hearts that may be distracting us, whether it be something as simple as the car ride over here or some serious issues that we have in our lives, God. Take those things from our plate right now so that we may focus on what you want to say through us through your word this morning. And God, as we are preaching about giving, we pray that you would allow us to have the right attitude as we dig into your word and hear from you. Give us ears to hear what it is that you're trying to say to us, God. Speak to us, and may you be glorified in these moments. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome to Christ Church. I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and I'm so excited to be speaking with you this morning. It's right for us to honor our veterans, and if you're a veteran, I just want to say thank you so much. I remember as a young kid, uh, my mother would take us over to my grandfather Kendrew's house, um, who, who he was a six foot six, just monster of a human being. And, and when you're a little boy, he could have been 90 feet tall to me. He was, I just remember him being massive. And, and one of the things I remember is he used to walk with this limp. He had some German bullets still lodged in his back. And uh, he, he walked with this limp. And, and my mother had this tremendous reverence and respect for my grandfather and his kids. We never really understood that, but we had this proper respectful fear of him. And we'd go over to his house, and when we would get there, he, he would oftentimes just talk to us and tell us stories, but we would always end up saying to him, hey, Grandpa, would you get out that box of medals that you have? And reluctantly, he would grab his, his box of medals, and we didn't know what they were. We were just little kids. We thought they were neat decorations, and he pulled out some hearts and some stars and some things like that, and, and we began to ask him questions, and he would tell us G-rated stories of, of the acquisition of, of these things. And I remember one day, um, kind of in my mind, it's blurry, but saying to him, Grandpa, why did you do that? And he looked at me and my brother and just said, so you guys can do awesome things. Actually, he said, so you guys can do big things. And you know, as believers, as Christians, and as Americans, there's a lot of people that have made sacrifices so that you and I could do big things. God has blessed us. We are a part of the greatest nation to ever exist in the history of mankind. You are afforded opportunities that kings of old have never been afforded, have never been given the opportunity to do. We live wealthier than 90% of the population of the earth, even our poorest in this nation. We are blessed. And I want to say this to you. It is not wrong to be blessed because the blessing comes from God. Where our blessings can be a problem for us is when we as Christians take our blessings and we sit on our hands and we do nothing with it. Listen to me. God did not bless you. He did not give you the freedoms that you have. He did not give you the finances, the creativity, the gifts, and the talents that you have so that you could simply die with them. He gave them to you to be a steward of them so that you could invest them in forever. That's good news. I've got these friends who who God has blessed them abundantly. And in case you haven't figured out, we're in our sermon series on giving. 
And I want to encourage you today. We are going to be talking about our responsibility as a church and giving. And, and there's a lot of you silently in your heart right now who are going, oh my goodness, the church is asking me for more money. I want to challenge your heart this morning. This isn't church tax. This is your opportunity to participate in what God is doing. And the Bible tells us, as we learned last week, we should be joyful givers. And as we're going to learn this week, as the children of God, we should be the most graciously generous people on the planet. If you talk to waitresses, they'll always joke about Sunday afternoons being the time when they receive the smallest amount of tips. Christians, stop being cheap. We, with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, should be the most generous people on the planet because we were first given to. We were given life in Christ. God has given you a gift. He has given you a blessing. And you should be ridiculously excited about joining in what he's doing by giving. Yes, we're talking about giving. And I believe as a pastor, if we don't preach to you about the proper tithing and giving, we're not genuinely loving you. Because as a church, from the get-go, we are called to take care of one another. We are called to take care of the sick, the widows, the needies, the orphan. And if the church gave the way the church should give, world hunger would not be a problem. And we are called by God to be generous, joyous givers. If you're grumpy about putting that tithe check in the offering plate, boy, you need a heart change. (laughs) Because God is doing amazing things. One of the most generous people I ever met in my entire life was my wife's grandmother, Elizabeth Melton. She was beautiful. What I loved about her is she was this woman that had this little card box that she would carry around. And I think she's one of the only people on the face of the planet that actually used a card box for its appropriate purpose, and she had cards in it. She would walk around and she would have birthday cards. She would have Christmas cards. She would have uh, uh, happy anniversary cards from your husband cards. She would have cards of all sorts in this card box. And what she would do as she encountered people in their life, she would give them a card. She would write them a card. And for that wayward husband who forgot his anniversary, she was ready for him. She was generous in her giving. I was dating her granddaughter, and I remember at college receiving a card from her thinking, oh, that's, that's really thoughtful. But as Christians, we're to be like that. We're to be generous. When Elizabeth died, I was amazed at the funeral as story after story began to, began to come out. She was not a wealthy woman, but there were kids that came forward and said, I got to go to summer camp because she paid my way to go. My family's electric wasn't shut off because she took care of our need. My family had food because she did this. And I'm going to tell you, her family had no idea that she was doing this. According to the reports of ministry after her death, you would thought she was a millionaire. She was actually a woman of very little means, but she gave out of the generosity of the love of Jesus and what Christ had done. Do you believe that Jesus loves you this morning? If you believe that, it should cause you to be squirming in your seats. You think about the soldier that lays down his life for his friends. I promise you this, his friends will tell that story. His friends will live vibrantly for him. And just as Christ laid down his life for us, he wants us to tell that story. It it should cause us to action.
You know what's beautiful about giving? You know what's beautiful about prayer? Is they're not our duty. They're our privilege. Praying to God is a privilege, not a duty. And giving to the needs of the church, to the furthering of the kingdom of God, is not a duty. It is a privilege. You know when you get those ridiculous missionary uh, letters in the mail, would you please support me? I'm going to Haiti. I'm going to China. I'm going to Jamaica. Would you please give? I know that there's some of us out there that when we get those letters in the mail, we go, oh, not another missionary letter. But did you ever think of it like this? That maybe God has blessed you for a reason? There's some of you out there that are fantastically good at making money. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am not. But because of your generosity, I'm able to be a part of a ministry. There are people out there that are blessed in different ways. But because God has blessed you to be this this stalwart business person, do you realize he can do major ministry through you? And when you receive those mission support letters, that's actually God saying to you, hey, look, you're too busy. You can't get up and go to Haiti. And I want you to know, I have called you to be a businessman. You're a missionary in your own workplace. Your job is to to create resources, is to create means. And you don't have to apologize for that. Because when you get that missionary letter in the mail, do you know what God's doing for you? He's inviting you to be a part of missions. You're not able to get up and go to Haiti for 10 days. But there's somebody who is. And when you give to that mission, you're not just simply giving money. You're joining in the mission. You're becoming a missionary. Do you hear me, church? That when you give money to Urban Impact, you're joining in what they're doing. You're not just throwing money at something, if your heart is right. In our scripture last week, We see that the Macedonian church gave out of their poverty. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open to 2 Corinthians 8. And Paul commended the Macedonian church. He said they're fantastic because they had nothing but what they gave, they gave from their heart. And I promise you this, when we as Christians, our hearts are in the correct place and we give, it doesn't matter how much we give, God will use it in amazing ways. I love when the kids... At VBS, my, my kids are, go to summer camp here, and, and they're all excited. And every year they raise money, and they, they, they raise money to buy a couple of goats or a chicken for a village over in Uganda. And, and while we, in our worldly mindset, would think, oh, well, how far is a goat really going to go? Or how far is a chicken going to go? I promise you this. The attitude in the heart of those little ones, if you ever go downstairs, they're digging through their pockets. They're rummaging through the car seats. They're looking around, accidentally getting into mom and dad's wallet, probably the the pastor's wallet and taking money, not saying my kids did this twice. But they find money. They're excited to give. They get energetic about it. And when you go downstairs, there's this joyousness about bringing forward their gift. And one kid has 10 cents. One kid has $20. They don't care about how much it is. They're just so excited to bring a gift gift to their God because they know that that God loves them. And if I bring my gift, God will take that gift and he's going to teach someone in Uganda about Jesus and I can't wait to give. And so if you have a grumpy attitude about giving, you should volunteer for VBS this year and your attitude will be right because the kids are kicking our butt in the attitude of giving. They love to give. All $300 of it. And I'm going to tell you this right now. God will take those small gifts when given with a joyous heart and he will do amazing things. God's good. 
I think about the spirit in which this church was created. It was created in a spirit of generosity. The founders of this church created this church to be a place that would courageously go out and proclaim the word of God. And there were many of you and many of those people who were asked to step up and give to something that was bigger than themselves. And they did that. And because they did that, this room where you're sitting today is here. And I want to promise you this. The spirit of generosity that came from our founders in this church was not a spirit of, hey, let's build a church that we can just have church at. No, because if you look to your left and right, there's empty seats. And when this place was founded, it was founded in that spirit of generosity because we have a mission to do. The best years of this church are ahead of us. And like we're going to read here in a minute, churches sometimes hit hiccups in the road. Right, Christ Church? But I promise you this, hiccups in the life of a church are nothing in comparison to what God wants to do. That spirit of generosity allowed for us to have a facility that we can do ministry in, not just simply be comfortable in. And so I would ask you the question, are you continuing to give to what God is doing? 2 Corinthians 8 finds us in a place where Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church is in kind of modern-day Greece. It's in a region called Achaia, and there's three major cities. There's Sparta, there's Corinth, and there's Athens. Corinth sits kind of in this little area where there's two major ports. One's connecting to the Ionian Sea and the other one is connecting to the Sea of Crete. Corinth is a place of abundance. There's a lot of trade that is taking place. But in the church of Corinth, there's this political thing that happened about a year before Paul writes this. And he's writing to the church of Corinth to bring reconciliation to the relationship that he has with this church. He's also writing this letter to commend them to continue to give. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then he's also writing this to defend himself versus some some teachers who are teaching differently than he. There's a region to the north known as Macedonia that consists of Berea, Philippi, and Thessalonica. This area would really relate to Pittsburgh. Because you see, a hundred years ago, Thessalonica, Berea, and Philippi, they're in this Macedonian region. And Macedonia was known for being the precious metals place on earth. In fact, it was a land of abundance, kind of similar maybe to steel. And so what's going on in Macedonia is there's all this abundance. Churches are developed and, and things are happening in Macedonia. And, and, and it's just goodness. Milk and honey are flowing. Everybody has jobs. Everything's wealthy. When all of a sudden you've got barbarians raiding down, political nightmares happening, and the entire economy of this region, Macedonia and Achaia, collapses. And like the steel mill crashes here in Pittsburgh, Macedonia experiences a depression. There's great famine. There's no jobs to be had able, willing-bodied people, unable to work, unable to earn keep. And so we, as a Pittsburgh church, and some of you lived through that, can relate to Macedonia. There was nothing. The region was poor. Meantime, back in Jerusalem, business is booming. And when business is booming in the church, you're probably financially in the red. Because we're a business about not making money, right? We're about winning souls to Christ. 
And so in Jerusalem, what's happening is, is they're ministering to people, they're, they're sharing the good news of Jesus, they're feeding the poor, they're feeding the hungry, and when you do that, it takes resource. And so because business is so good in Jerusalem, there is no resources left. And so Paul goes to the church universal, when we say that word Catholic church, it means the church universal, the church is one body. He says to the churches, Jerusalem is in need. Who is going to, among you is going to step up and provide for them by financially giving to support the mission that is going on in Jerusalem? And he sends this letter out. Well, Corinth is the first church to step up. And with great eagerness, they say, you know, we're going to step up. We're going to serve. We're going to give. And they do. But there's another church in Macedonia we learned about, the churches of Macedonia, where this great depression is happening. They have very little to give, so Paul actually has no expectations of this church to give. But they send Paul a letter. Hey, look, you have blessed us by sending aid to us. You have blessed us with the good news of Jesus Christ. And because you have blessed us, we want to be a part of this giving. That's who Paul's commending earlier. Paul says, no, You're the mission project still. You're good. They say, no, we're going to give. In Macedonia, this poor region, the churches pour out love, and they give maybe a very little gift. But God says, the beauty in which they gave it with their heart is pure and beautiful. Macedonia was giving till it hurt. Corinth was unaffected by this great depression. Because as you see, Corinth was in the seaport region and all the trade would come through. And so Corinth had an abundance. But what happened in Corinth is is there was some bad leadership that happened. And there was some conflicts between senior leaderships and, and Paul. And there was actually some butting of the heads. And so the relationship between Paul and Corinth was actually fractured. And because we know how churches sometimes can get fickle when, they, when we have hardships, the people quit giving. And as Paul defended himself, the relationship began to heal. And so in this 2 Corinthians letter, we see this relationship being healed again. And one of the things Paul wants to heal is he wants to remind them that at one time you were very faithful in your giving. You were very excited to give because you understood why we were giving. And he wants to challenge them in this scripture today to continue to give. The church in Corinth went through a bump. They had some things happen in their church. But just because you have things happen in a church, some bumps along the way, doesn't mean that God doesn't have great things for you still. We can say amen to that, can't we, Christ Church? If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10. He had just commended them about the Macedonian church, and he says, have that same kind of heart, Corinth. Give like the Macedonian church. He says in verse 10, and here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 8. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the eagerness, uh, the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. 
This kind of reminds me of New Year's resolutions. And I think sometimes as Christians we do this. We get really excited about new movements and new causes. And someone challenges us, will you give to this? Or, or will you go on a diet? And we say, yes, I'm going to go on a diet. But three days later, we're, we're right off of that diet come New Year's, aren't we? And so the church in Corinth got excited. And there was momentum and there was energy. But because of hiccups, it quickly faded. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. Let your willingness to jump in be matched by your completion of giving. Here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Did you know that not all of us in here make the same amount of money? Did you know that? Did you know that God has blessed some of you to be able to make millions? And then there's some of you in here that God has blessed to make thousands? And then at the end of the day, God really doesn't look at that number. He looks at your heart. Paul's challenging Corinth to give from the place of their heart according to their means. And God has blessed some of you in such a way that financially you can give more money. And some of you, he's blessed to financially give according to your means. God wants us to be good stewards of what he has given to us. I was horrified to hear a radio show host talking with a caller. And he asked the caller, how much money did you give to charity last year? The caller said, I gave $5,000. And he said, well, I gave $35,000. And so when you get to my level, you can come talk to me. Then he said, well, I'm just curious, how much money did you make last year? And the man said, I only made $25,000 last year. And shamed him. God doesn't care about the amount. He cares about the heart with which you're giving in. Stop comparing yourselves to one another. Stop looking at the neighbor and saying, well, he gives $50,000. I should probably give $50 million. God doesn't like those games. Don't play those games. It's about you, and it's about God, and it's about what he's saying to you. And as a church, you have the privilege of participating in ministry by giving financially. And I'm going to tell you, the ministry at this church will not happen without your financial contributions. And it is right to give. All the ministries, Urban Impact, the different ministries that we participate in, the church needs to step up and commit to giving to those ministries because God has blessed you with the ability to earn funds. Funds that will sponsor and support ministry. You ever heard this phrase, you can't take it with you? Do you believe that? That you can win all kinds of money and earn all kinds of money in life, but the reality is, is you can't take it with you? You've heard that? Do you guys believe that? Listen to me, that's wrong. It's wrong because you absolutely can take it with you. God gave you blessings and freedoms so that you can use them to glorify him. And while you can't call PNC and have them forward your bank account to heaven, you can take people with you. Where you invest your money gives you the opportunity to invest in eternity. And the Bible tells it, test us in this. Go ahead, test God in this. Give to the church and you will see blessings. There should be joy in our giving because as believers in God, we can take it with us in the forms of people that we've invested in through the church, through the, through the ministries that we get involved in. 
what's the point of just making money to leave it here? Invest it in the things eternal. God is alive and he is moving. And some of you can't be involved in certain ways, but he's blessed you, each and every one of us, with finances. Give to the needy. Give to the lost. Give to the poor because it is your privilege. Give according to your means. He says this. Let me find my place here. Each of you should give according to your means, for in the willingness there is the gi- uh, there the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that they might be there might be equality. Let me tell you this, folks. The Bible says this in Colossians three twenty three that we are to work as if we are working for God. God is angry, and hear my heart and how I'm saying it, at deadbeats. God does not want us to be manipulators of his system. God wants each and every one of us, if we're able, to put our hands to the plow and to work for him. Because in our abundance, we will take care of our brothers and sisters who are in need. And we know who we're talking about. We have brothers and sisters in the faith. Their spirit is willing. Their spirit wants to work. They're not able to. And as the church of God, we're called to love God and to love others. And a way that we can love others is by providing for the needs of those around us who don't have. Not because they don't work, but because they're simply just less fortunate than us. God has blessed you with means so that you can joyfully bless others. God doesn't want you to take credit cards and max them out, giving to a tele-evangelist. God wants you to be smart with your money. Do you know God wants you to pay your bills? God wants you to have good credit. God wants you to take care of your family. He wants you to set aside a college fund. God's not simply telling you that you have to give everything here. God wants you to be a good steward of your funds. And for some of you, God may call you to give until it hurts. But God wants us to be good stewards and give according to our means. And he doesn't want us to simply give so that we suffer but he wants us to give in such a way that everybody is provided for. He closes with this. Our desire is that others may be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, he who gathers much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Paul is quoting Exodus 16 there. And if you want some homework, read Exodus 16 later. That's when Israel is wandering, and their only provision is the provision that God gives them in the form of manna. And some were able to go out and collect a lot. Some were really good at collecting manna. And some worked really hard at collecting manna, but they just weren't good at it. But they still collected manna. But at the end of the day, everybody had enough to eat. Everybody was taken care of. Because where did the manna come from? It came from God. Where do your blessings come from? They come from God. 
are you giving them back to him? Are you making an investment in eternity with a joyful heart this morning? My prayer is yes. This church has been founded by people with generous hearts and ministry will continue to happen because of that. And so I pray, just because we as a church have had some hiccups along the way, like Corinth, that we wouldn't cease to give, that we would be committed to giving for the furthering of the kingdom of God. I'm happy to report that Corinth would step up. Their relationship would be healed. And they would honor their commitment. Will you honor your commitment to God this morning? Will you joyfully give out of the abundance that God has already given to you? Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for the generous spirit in which this place, Christ Church, was created. But we pray, God, that would not cease. We thank you for the Macedonian church and the way that they gave out of their poverty. And we thank you for the church of Corinth and the way they committed to giving and then followed that up with action. And they did so joyfully because they knew that God had blessed them and that they in turn were able to bless others. So God, take these gifts that we give to you and use them for the furthering of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.